You're listening to The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, Sideshow's very own comic book podcast. Join us as we celebrate New Comic Book Day every week and discuss the latest releases, the biggest announcements, and more from your favorite publishers. What's in your comics hall? Hey, everybody. I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And welcome to The Comics Hall. We've got a a moderator in the chat for you guys today, Uh, and we did switch up our time this week. This is not our normal time, but if you are here, thank you for catching that we did change the time to 3 (laughs) p.m. Promise this is not the norm, but this is just for this week. Uh, But on to our lovely moderator today. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Cassidy here today. Um, As per usual, we are in YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group, Twitch, and... Twitter. There we go. <laughs> there we go. I think that's all of them. Yes. And I think we're we're streaming to the negative zone also, probably. <laughs> I don't know. You they never know what that They pick us up on Asgard now, uh, actually. Sure <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> bad jokes. Bad jokes already. Uh, oh, good. Starting early. Same, same. Not same time, same bad jokes. Um, So you guys can talk to Cassidy in the chats in any variety of those platforms if you are joining us live. Uh, We are typically live at 4 p.m. Pacific on Wednesdays, but today we are live at 3 p.m. And uh, if you are listening on our podcast, the podcast playback does go up on the Thursday following every new comic book day on all your favorite podcasting platforms, as well as a blog on geeksideshow.com with all of the visual assets that are referenced in the show. So let's jump into the news. We have a couple of really hefty news items for this week. Yeah, really uh, a stark, uh, staunch difference between last week. It was a little slow. So right up top uh, over at DC Comics, uh, DC Comics has promoted Marie Javins to editor-in-chief after earlier this summer. She was announced as co-editor-in-chief alongside Michelle R. Wells. Uh, in the role, Javins will be responsible for developing and overseeing the company's publishing schedule. Uh, Javins has a long background in major comics publishing, serving as a full editor at Marvel and Epic Comics in the early 90s, editing projects like Akira, Groove the Wanderer, and EarthX. Uh, at DC, I'm sorry. At DC, she will continue to work closely with Daniel Sherry III and Jim Lee to grow DC's imprints, define character narratives, and prioritization, and direct creative talent selection. Um, and if you have been on Twitter at all, like this is a huge win. Everyone was celebrating Marie getting uh, the job. So congrats! Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a really huge news. It's really... great, and she's right. She's perfect for the job. Yeah, I saw a lot of people just uh, outpouring love for those projects she ushered in in the early 90s, kind of successfully getting the end of Akira to the United States. Uh, Fantastic, fantastic work here. Um, Now, we do have some new comic book announcements from Dark Horse. First up, uh, Dark Horse Comics has announced a new series of Critical Role comics. You may be familiar with the fact that they are doing the Vox Machina Origins series currently. But this new series will cover the origins of the Mighty Nine, which is the characters of Campaign 2. That is the campaign that... I am following. Uh, (laughs) And unlike the Vox Machina series, which is ongoing single issues, uh, these will be uh, put out as graphic novels, actually. And the Mighty Nine Origins uh, will will focus on an individual character at a time. The first volume will be focusing on Jester Lavore, the tiefling cleric, who is played by voice actress Laura Bailey. And this book will be written by Sam Maggs with art by Hunter Severn Boyan, colors by Kathy Lee, and it is co-directed by Bailey and Matthew Mercer to ensure character accuracy. <laughs> Volume two will follow the human wizard, uh, human wizard, yes, Caleb Widogast, who is played by voice actor Liam O'Brien. With uh, that one will be written by Jody Hauser, who has been helping with the Vox Machina comics, but again, is our uh, fandom queen supreme 
friend of the show friend of the show fan of <laughs> queen supreme stranger things you know her from doctor who and orphan black but uh jody hauser will be taking on uh caleb uh with art by selena espiritu colors by diana sosu and it is also co-directed by liam o'brien and mercer as well uh, both of these books are available currently for pre-order from comic book shops and your local booksellers. And the first, uh, which is the Jester book, will be released on uh, June 16th in 2021. And the second will be July 14th, 2021. So sounds like a long ways off, but that is barreling down the pipeline. Yes. <laughs> Full-size graphic novels of the Mighty Nine. And uh, fingers crossed, if pre-orders are good and the series does well, I'm sure we'll get an origin for every single one of the Mighty Nine. So that'll be really exciting. I hope so. I mean, if it keeps uh, the comics all going and it keeps Amy happy, then everyone wins. So, yes. <laughs> uh, but also from Dark Horse, a new young Hellboy series is coming next year. Uh, the four issue miniseries titled Young Hellboy, The Hidden Land follows the Red Demon and his, and his adoptive father, Professor Broom, as they are stranded on a mysterious tropical island. Uh, the series will be written by Hellboy co-creator Mike Mignola and writer Tom Sne uh Snigowski, with art by Craig, uh, Craig Rousseau and colors by Dave Stewart. Uh, Young Hellboy, The Hidden Land will launch from Dark Horse Comics on February 17th, 2021. They were really, really testing me with all those last names there. This outline, maybe, I think you just, you did it just to see what words I could and couldn't pronounce. I think it's crazy. We're getting to the point where the solicitations are already in 2021. Yes. Uh, also, do yourself a favor, look up those Young Hellboy covers. He is adorable. Uh, and our last piece of news actually goes back to last week. Did you pick up the standard cover of crossover number one from Image Comics last week? If so, check the cover. You might have gotten a secret variant. This rare yes. unannounced variant cover uh, kind of took the internet by storm this last week. Uh, it features alternate artwork on the cover of the book that is being held by the child in the illustration. Uh, now, this is the standard A cover we're talking about where the, uh, the child figure is having his face blown off by rainbows emerging from uh, the comic book. Uh, so the standard cover is a, a, the typical version is a smaller version of that same cover. So it kind of like repeats infinitely. However, on the secret variant, it is a version of the C cover also by Jeff Shaw uh, does not cause the image to repeat indefinitely, but it's just a very, very small edit. Stores were not told of this discrepancy. Uh, it was a secret variant that the creative team snuck in. So you may or may not have purchased one. However, it's not a secret anymore, so if you're going to look for one specifically, be careful. It is going for a much higher price on the secondary market due to its rarity. But if you picked up crossover number one last week, you may or may not be surprised to find that you possibly got a secret variant cover. I didn't get one. Neither did I. I checked oh. my book first thing, didn't get one. But you Where know, what? email. Where is Donnie? Right? What is Donnie doing right now? <laughs> let's get him on let's, the show. Let's ask him. We'll ask him after the show. No, let's uh, bring him out. Let's bring him out. So that does it for our comic book news this week. But we do have our next segment, the panel of the week, one of our weekly rotating segments. Of course, yes. panel of the week. Paul and I pick a theme, and we each pick the best panel that we think represents that theme to the core, but then it's not up to us to decide if we are right or wrong. It is up to you, the voters. This week, we opened up our poll to the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group and to our Instagram. So thank you if you participated yes. on either or both of those platforms. Heck, we didn't say that you couldn't vote twice. So if you really loved one panel and you paid attention, you might have helped it pull ahead. This week, our theme was Raven from DC yes. Comics. 
Paul, do you want to explain your panel first? Yes. So my panel was from Teen Titans number 26. Uh, this is the 2003 story written by Jeff Johns, art by Tony S. Daniel and colors by Jeremy Cox. Um, and it's pretty simple. It's uh, I loved it because of the simplicity, but you can also see uh, Raven and all of her Raven glory and how awesome and terrifying and also uh, incredibly uh, impressive she is. But you can see uh, Raven behind Superboy. Uh, you can't see it in this whole panel because uh, it, it did zoom in a bit. But uh, she is telling Superboy Prime, uh, Superboy, I'm sorry, that it's your soul that I'm showing you. So she's pulled him into the darkness, which if you've watched any of the animated shows, that's also what her mind is. The cape depends on who's writing her. But um, yeah, I thought it was a beautiful panel. Um, it was it was great. I like I love all of the color, but the lack of color also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. So that was I my panel. I didn't know Raven had a six pack, but good for her. <laughs> good for her. Yeah. My, my panel uh, was from a more recent comic, Raven, Daughter of Darkness, number 12 from 2019, written by Marv Wolfman, of course, the man who created the character or co-created her uh, with art by Pop Mon and uh, colors by Laverne Kinzierski. Uh, so this is, I, I grew up on the Teen Titans animated show. It is arguably the reason why I'm a comics fan today. And nothing was cooler than seeing Raven stand up to her father, Trigon, and eventually mm -hmm. take on that Cambion half-demon physiology where she does have the multiple demon eyes. So this was a really cool moment. Of course, they saved it for the end of the Daughter of Darkness series where she unleashes her full demonic powers to stop a bunch of entities who are trying to wipe out all of the um, the mystic humans in the DC universe. And so I thought this was a great panel of Raven's true nature that she often hides beneath the cloak uh, because she is part demon and, and very famously so. And you know what I thought, Amy, when I saw this, of, of all the things I could think about is how expensive glasses would be for her. <laughs> Got four eyes. <laughs> like, do you buy two pairs of the same glasses, or do you have custom made glasses with four lenses? But these are the things that I think I'm like, no way am I gonna am I gonna beat Amy this week <laughs> when you've got <laughs> when you've got questions being thrown out like that. Well, we'll have to ask Marv Wolfman his professional opinion on the matter. I yes. now I'm never gonna not think about that. Thank you. <laughs> But you guys voted. You guys let us know which version of Raven you prefer. Do you prefer uh, spicy red Raven or classic blue? Uh, yes. You guys voted. And the winner is, drumroll please. Drumroll. Classic Raven. All right. Moon Titans. I'm on a hot streak. I keep hitting, I keep rolling seven. So uh, you thank, you to, thank you to everyone who voted. Um, What's really interesting is to see, like, like yes, it, it's fun. It's fun to win, um, of course, um, four <laughs> times in a row. But um, what's but who's <laughs> what's counting? Even, but who's counting? Uh, me. But what's even more fun is is watching you guys actually participate, and it kind of keeps us on our toes to see like how like different we can make each and every week. Because it also not only keeps us on our toes to try to um, you know change it up, but also me and Amy really we have to dig real deep to find some of these panels. Yeah. Next this week, I'm just going to submit. I'm going to submit something totally weird and off theme, and just see what people think. Uh, see if maybe they're like, "Wow, Paul went for an oddball choice. I'll vote for that one." Uh, but uh, Ron Ron Lorenas in the Facebook group did bring up a great suggestion. We do want to hear from you guys if you got a, an, any ideas about panel of the week. We did some get, get some great suggestions before, and we're going to start working those in. Uh, but if you guys ever have suggestions for what you'd like to see our professional opinions on, so you can vote and tell us who you think is more right or wrong, uh, let us know in the Facebook group or uh, on our socials at the Comics Hall 
if you have suggestions for our panel of the week or any other segments that we have in our show. Yes. But uh, now that we're on the weekly theme, I think it is time to talk about the weekly haul. Yes, uh, please. This is our segment wherein we recap all of the books or as many of the books as possible mm -hmm. uh, that came out this week. This is also where we uh, aim books for you. We'll get to that in just a minute. But first up, we do have a pick of the week, uh, yes. which is a book that Paul and I both picked up, uh, Miskatonic number one from Aftershock Comics. Yes, uh, Miskatonic number one of, as Amy said, by After, uh, Aftershock Comics, which is slowly becoming, uh, slowly gaining a serious foothold in comics for some of the stories they're putting out. They are great. Uh, the the now the team on this book, you've got Mark Sable as the writer, Giorgio Pontrelli is the artist, and Pippa Boland uh, doing uh, the colors there. So. Um, Maybe we can get everyone started, Amy, with with the pitch of this book, as I like to say. So, uh, Miskatonic Valley holds many mysteries. Cultists worshipping old gods and uh, a doctor dead set on resurrecting the recently deceased. A house overrun by rats in the walls, but none more recent than a series of bombings targeting the Valley's elite. These horrors reach a breaking point when the brilliant, hard-nosed investigator, Miranda Keller, is sent to stop the bombings. When Miranda digs too deep, though, she uncovers an unimaginable occult conspiracy, one that may cost Miranda her job and her sanity um, now that is the official solicitation so we wanted to give uh yes. you know give that to everyone as uh aftershock has given it to us so that we don't spoil anything because i have a bad tendency of just kind of talking <laughs> out of my neck and, and and unfortunately spoiling stuff so that is the official solicitation well and i don't i don't think it's a spoiler to say if you can see the cover right now which we will be posting on our blog after mm -hmm. but in fact you do see a uh very uh tentacled creature in the logo itself uh the word miskatonic and if you didn't get the point up to uh the end of paul's discussion the word sanity yes we are dealing with an hp lovecraft uh yes. based story mm -hmm. uh so for i i if you don't mind i think we should do a light aim on this uh totally. as, as our pick of the week uh it is a new number one mm -hmm. um and so the A in AIM always stands for accessibility. How easy is it to pick up and read? This is a true number one, and it doesn't even necessarily require you to have an intimate knowledge of H.P. Lovecraft. I believe everybody at least has a passing familiarity with Cthulhu or right. the idea of Arkham and, and Miskatonic Valley and all these kind of strange eldritch monstrosities. Uh, but otherwise, this story does a fantastic job of laying out the pieces that you need to understand it. Yeah. Um, and it slowly escalates the horror from uh, kind of FBI investigations bureau to, all right, we stepped into a cult thing. Like, this is going <laughs> to be a problem. Um, so I think it does a really great job of, of kind of introducing you to that. Because I will admit, I, I'm an English major. I have at least as much of a familiarity of H.P. Lovecraft as any passing casual, but I'm not intimately acquainted with his works. And I had no problem understanding what was going on in this story, which I think right. is... Uh, because at its core, it's a historical detective story with supernatural happenings, which totally. who, doesn't, who doesn't love one of those? And I know we have, because I've seen it before, we've brought up um, at something Lovecraftian before. Uh, and I know we have listeners who are huge H.P. Uh, Lovecraft fans. So that kind of takes us organically into the eye of AIM, which is the interest. Like, who would like this book? Uh, if you are an H.P. Lovecraft fan, which again, I know some of you out there uh, really, really love uh, Lovecraft, uh, you're going to love this book because there's a lot of... Uh, I the way I I wrote it down in my notes is it seemed like um, Sable did a wonderful job of sort of sewing H.P. Lovecraft stories into real historical uh, fact. So um, I mean, you've got this sort of takes um, over right around the time when J. Edgar Hoover was 
either sort of re reestablishing the FBI or sort of taking over. So that was a really interesting time for our uh, for our country as a whole. So it was really interesting to see him really pinpoint on that uh, that decade and sort of kind of run with it from the perspective of H.B. Lovecraft, which granted, I don't know. I am not an English major, so I don't have that much uh, familiarity with H.B. Lovecraft aside from uh, the idea of Cthulhu and uh, Lovecraft Country. So yes, and that, <laughs> really and that brings up another stuff. point. If you are reading or uh, I guess reading because it's also a novel, but if you're watching uh, Lovecraft Country and you want more, um, it also has a very Eldritch X-Files vibe to it uh, based on our, right. our main detective characters. We've got... Uh, We've got the woman on the cover here uh, who is kind of our, our focal point. And she does act as more of the skeptic uh, to her, her compatriot who is like, no, trust me, like I've been in it before, um, taking very different uh, perspectives on the investigating. Uh, however, it's also very based in American history. So there's something there for you if you like that. Uh, bear in mind, though, it does uh, bring up some of the American racial tensions that were also rife not only in this time period, but in H.P. Lovecraft's work. However, uh it, like honestly if you're a lovecraft fan this book is is point case in point like geared towards you but otherwise yeah. if you're curious uh of the story uh definitely think you can you can jump in and read this and as for the m in aim it is the monetary value or investment it's a 4.99 book now i believe this is an ongoing series i don't think it's a it's a set limited series so this is it's a slightly larger price uh for an introductory issue but uh, right. there's there's also a nice uh, kind of essay in the back uh, written from the in-world perspective that that dialogues or, or details the um, history of Miskatonic Valley and some of these factors yeah. that are glanced over in the story. If you want to get more of the uh, FBI style debriefing on the, mm -hmm. the world there. Yeah, the, the back matter was really helpful specifically for, for me because I'm not familiar with, um, you know, Miskatonic Valley outside of this comic. So it, it sort of helped, uh, you know, give a lay of the land there. So, yeah. And so yeah. that was our pick of the week. Uh, sometimes pick of the week is just because we both picked the book on our list. Uh, yeah. But this is a, it's an accessible new number one if you are interested. So we highly recommend uh, you, if you're looking for something else to throw into your pull list, check that out. Mm -hmm. um, now we're going to go into our aim segment proper where Paul and I have each chosen two books this week. I believe this whole week, uh, is all number ones. So these yeah. are all brand new series if you're looking to, to stack your pull list. Um, but again, as we covered, AIM is our is our grading system because we don't like to give numerical values. So yeah. A is accessibility. How easy is it to grab and read? How easy is it, is it to find on your local shelf as well? Mm -hmm. I is interest. Who would like this book? What other stories are similar that will help you get those brain juices flowing and determine whether it's for you or not? And right. M, as we mentioned, monetary investment, money. How many pages are you getting for what you're paying? Right. Yeah, That's our... the monetary investment of the book. Yes. I've always liked the way because it's like, yes, it is an investment. So it's a it's a time investment too. I mean, comic uh -huh. books are a lot of investment, uh, as we learned from the the how do you protect your comic books? <laughs> yeah, that was from last week. Very interesting. But uh, Paul, you want to take us away with the first uh, aim book of the week? I sure do. And if I could talk all show about this book, I would because I love it so much. It is Taskmaster number one um, by Marvel, of course, written by Jed McKay, uh, the art by Alessandro Vitti, and the colors by Guru SFX. So um, really, uh, the pitch for this is Taskmaster has murdered Maria Hill, or so everyone is telling him. Um, he, he was framed, and you find that out very, very early on, and it's really about... Um, Tad, the whole story and the 
upcoming, I think, five issues. I think it's a six issue miniseries uh, is about him trying to clear his name. And you get really all of the heavy hitters from, um, you know, Marvel sort of coming into this, like the spy espionage uh, sector of Marvel come into this. So as far as the A goes, the accessibility, uh, we also like to say, like, how easy is this book to find? Uh, this is a Marvel number one. So usually those books are plentiful at your local comic book shop, but we do understand that some shops don't carry everything that's new for even the big two. So that's totally understandable. So, I mean, if you're worried about it, call ahead, see if they have it, they can put it aside for you. And that's the importance of pre-ordering as well. (laughs) Yes, it sure is. Um, But I mean, it's got more than, I think it's got four, no, two other variants. So it's a, you shouldn't have problems finding this. Um, And again, this is as true a number one as marvel or dc can do without it being a completely brand new character tony masters aka taskmaster did exist before this of course um but um they do a good job of sort of giving you everything you need to know about him as a character right up front um and as the interest goes uh so everyone everyone would love this book because it's so good i i really really love this book um i <laughs> i was telling amy before the show that i've now um, coined a term patent pending that this book falls into what I call the chasm of COVID comics, where it's like, where all of these books were going to come out to coincide with, you know, movie releases or show releases. And because of everything, um, basically everything got pushed back. And now they're just like, we got to push these books out now. So, Taskmaster would have come out around the same time as Black Widow, uh, ideally, and uh, there are a whole lot of, uh, you know, Black Widow Easter eggs and and fun to be had in this book. Honestly, um, Taskmaster, like, I don't read, I mean, I don't, maybe I can't speak for Amy, but I don't read that much Taskmaster. Like, I, I know when we did our Moon Knight story, when we did our Moon Knight series, there was some Taskmaster in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I he kind of plays a villain in some of the grounded you know heroes and villain stories but this is a great story because i feel like his uh tony masters taskmaster his voice is really jumbled sometimes like sometimes he's really serious sometimes he's like the butt of a joke and he's a comic relief uh this leans into uh the more of comic relief but he's running a business and not only is he a mercenary but he trains them and it's it's really fun um i immediately right before the show went and added this to my pool because this book is so much fun so if you can go pick up taskmaster uh number one it's only 399 it's 28 pages um and i had had on my notes that it's ongoing but i do believe once i triple check that i believe it's only a six issue miniseries taskmaster is a great character to use sparingly given the nature of his power and how how fantastic it is uh but yeah it's it's very interesting that he as you noted he can swing from very serious and menacing because Mm -hmm. he's the dude who can learn your moves and turn them right back on you but uh, he does have he does tend to take a funnier tone over the years especially when paired up against like deadpool the only person Mm -hmm. he can't copy right he's so erratic yeah and and it this is definitely felt like um you know, like a uh, a Deadpool light story, but there's no third wall, uh, fourth wall breaking. I'm sorry, um, but um, I don't I don't know how many walls there are, but they uh, but it's 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 definitely really funny. And if you are if you're excited for the Black Widow movie, all I can tell you is that you will really love this book and sort of the very obscure angle that it wants to play in in the Marvel universe. Uh, it's really really fun. 
uh, yeah, go pick up Taskmaster number one. You should have no problem finding it. All right. Before we get on to my next one, Cassidy, we have a question coming in from YouTube. You want to let us know? Yes. So um, I believe I might mess up this name. It was uh, Kun Club on YouTube asked, what's your source for upcoming comics or issues? So um, I know Paul and I both tend to use, because Paul uh, turned me on to it. If you Google comic list new releases, they did just change websites, but there is a website called Comic List or Go Collect that does uh, these great articles of, of everything that's coming out about a week or two ahead. Right. Um, pretty comprehensive. I also check previews and then um, we can see the new and upcoming releases through Comic Hub, which is an app that uh our store uses our local yeah. store so your if your local store does something like that uh you can see the releases otherwise previews has a website or the physical magazine and you can see what's coming up uh yeah. within uh a, a month-long time frame of, mm-hmm. of books and yeah so take, take notes on like okay i'm expecting this one this one this one and then i oh, go yeah. oh my god I, 20 things later like the big week <laughs> write it down so you don't forget um i yeah so the actual website since like amy was saying it did change it's blog dot go collect.com um and that is where they've sort of that is just the area of their website that is just for comics now they've i think they've sort of changed it since we've started using it which has probably been years now but um i've also started using specifically for covers a website called league of geeks um that's really great because you can create a virtual pool list and it'll tell you um so this week and upcoming weeks you you can expect to spend this much money and it doesn't actually pull them for you but it's like a uh you know it's like a digital catalog and it's really great because they usually update everything with all of the the covers uh so it, it's just a really it's a really great asset because um blog.gocollect.com is really great to see everything listed out for you the other way is sort of by cover so uh league of geeks is by cover so that's those are some of the resources that we use yeah, we're, and we're not officially affiliated with either of those. Those are just Paul yeah. and I use every <laughs> Paul and I use every resource at our disposal. My last line of defense is also following the comic book creators on Twitter because by mm. gum, you you know when a book of theirs comes out because they're going to tweet about it all day Everywhere. long. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but writing it down is a great way to when you go to the store to pick up your books if, if mm-hmm. that is what you do, making sure you didn't miss a single release. Yes. Um, Speaking of single releases, uh, this week I'm going to be aiming for you Scarant Hood number one from IDW Comics. Uh, this is the first of a four-issue miniseries that I didn't hear a whole lot about until this last week, actually. But I saw that cover on Twitter, of all places, and was immediately intrigued. Uh, this is written by Nick Roche and uh, has art and colors by Chris O'Halloran with letters by Sean Lee. Um, so... I don't know where to start because I don't want to give away the game on this, but uh, as you can see, this cover and the the very clever pun uh, kind of indicate that uh, parenting is scary enough, but uh, when supernatural influences get in the mix, it can be a whole nother ball game. Um, in terms of accessibility, this is a true number one issue. You need to know absolutely nothing going into it. Uh, it is set in Ireland, so there's some local slang terms and dialects reflected in the text. However, that does not affect readability, and it's all easily discoverable through the context. Um, there's also uh, just a lot of great character work. It's very punchy. Uh, and and my quick summary of it, there's a great uh, fun little dis- uh, description from IDW, but it's a little too long for me to read out. But basically, what do parents get up to when their kids are at school? And what happens when that school is in a church hall on land associated with devils and uh, demonic activity? The answer is probably not great things. Um, but in terms of interest, uh, this story is 
if you're a fan of Stranger Things, but you wanted it to follow Winona Ryder more than the children, uh, you wanted to see what what Joyce was up to when the kids were away, uh, you're going to enjoy Scarenthood. Uh, it's it's not as um, period based as something like Stranger Things. It's more of a suburban horror story. Um, it definitely has a lot of solid horror to it, but there's a lot of heart and really great humor. Uh, three three H's of Scarenthood, uh, and it is primarily grounded through the parents and then through their relationships to their children. Uh, it's a it's everything felt really believable and natural. I know when I actually when I first started reading it, it's very stylized and the children look like kind of like troll dolls, like with the the bit they've got clothes on, but um, <laughs> like their heads are a lot bigger than their bodies. It's very stylized. So I was like, not sure what to expect. I was like, is oh, it okay. be that, that someone made? has a very particular idea of what they think kids look like. <laughs> so I guess. Yeah. I, it's very stylized and I think it lends to the, the humor of the, the entity of the children. Cause they are like, I don't know. There's like, it, it's really hard to describe, uh, but I really, really liked the relationship between the adults and the children, but you can tell that the story focuses more on the adults. Um, also, the issue is filled with a lot of enticing mysteries and it doesn't tip its entire hand right away, which of course an impatient reader like me wants to see all the <laughs> monsters right up front, but it gives you just enough of a couple of really upsetting images and, and disturbing kind of scenes to make you want more. Uh, and the theme throughout i really like uh, they were really like the fact that they were really sparing with those scary moments kind of makes the story about what is scarier discovering that there's demons in a church hall underneath the the school that your children go to or failing your children as, and failing to be a bad uh, to be a good parent uh so i really like that dynamic of, of two very different oh. horrors an external and an internal horror uh and as for the M in AIM, it is a $4.99 issue, but it is 36 pages, so it is slightly larger than your average issue, and it is packed with story all the way through. It does also include a preview of the next image uh, or the next issue's cover, which is a lone uh, stroller in the middle of an empty forest, which is absolutely terrifying as well. Thanks. Uh, I looked it up. Scarret Hood number two will also be four ninety nine, so I'm thinking it's safe to assume that the whole mini series will be four ninety nine, but possibly on the thirty six page side. Mm. Uh, not not sure historically with IDW minis like this, but I was absolutely surprised and delighted by how much I enjoyed Scarret Hood, having heard nothing about it until I saw this cover on Twitter last week and was like, hmm, I really like that stylized cover. It kind of gives me a Franco uh, Francesco Francavia vibes, um, oh, nice. but. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I honestly, Scarlet Hood is is that kind of surprise under the radar story that will uh, surprise you. So I definitely think this one is worth a read, especially if you're not quite done with the horror of the Halloween season. This one is very nicely balanced, so it doesn't feel like a Halloween based comic release. It is just a very much any time of year suburban horror. Life is already scary enough. Add kids to the mix, and it just goes <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> Wonderful. Scarenthood, everyone. From IDW. <laughs> it's called Scarenthood. <laughs> um, okay, so the next book uh, that I am going to aim, which will be the last of the books that I aim today, is Punchline Special Number One by DC Comics, uh, written by James Tinney IV and Sam Johns, uh, art by the incredible, the incredible Amerka Andolfo, and the coloring by uh, Ramulo Fajardo Jr. So this story uh, takes place right almost immediately, maybe a week, right after the events of Joker War. So that's going to be Batman 100. So jumping right into the aim of this book, accessibility. Um, first of all, you should be able to find this everywhere. This is probably 
the biggest release for DC, I'd say, uh, this week pretty easily. And for good reason. The book is, is incredible. But um, it, it, you shouldn't have a problem finding it at your local comic book shop along with some of its many covers. I think there's something like 15 variants for this, of course, as Ooh. as there always are. Uh, the, the Jorge Jimenez is the one that I'm probably going to pick up. It's his stock card variant. But I, I also have the um, – this is cover A that you're seeing over here too, my – this direction so it's my right i think um so as far as how easily you can pick this book up this is not as much of a number one as i was mentioning with like taskmaster so um while it is this is more like it feels to me like an annual rather than like hey this is number one where it's definitely picking up the threads of a story that has already been told um it does expect you to understand some of the events that did happen in the joker war which is batman 90 or sorry 89 through 100 i mean you don't necessarily need to know all of that to understand it but to really appreciate all of the nuances of punchline and the world that she's sort of found herself in now uh you really are gonna you're gonna want to read uh joker war at least batman 100 and and again as far as the interest goes it's very simple if one if you're a mercon dolfo fan like you have to pick this book up uh i don't i mean as far as i know i don't remember the last time i've seen her do a whole book and let alone like 48 pages um i know she does a ton of awesome covers well she did Mercado and Dolfo did mercy well, which was her mercy. own her own book but it right. but it has been a little while and i don't think she's done for, anything dc since uh dc bombshells bombshells probably i was gonna say sorry i should have prefaced with saying like for the big two that weren't right 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 <laughs> uh it's, it's been a while because you know she's busy and her art is uh incredibly detailed and kinetic so uh you know I mean, I, I'm not an artist, but I can. I know that takes time to get exactly what she's doing down. And this book, first of all, before we even get into the story, it looks incredible. Um, Tinian, this is one of T uh, James Tinian the Force's brainchild. Like he, I mean, this is one of his babies. This is one of the new characters that he's created in the Batman universe, which is always met um, very differently with depending on, you know, there are people who are diehard Batman fans who um, don't want any new characters. They want just, you know, just tell different stories of some of the lesser known ones. But this particular uh, character, she really does deserve this entire book because it's fantastic. And um, if you are looking to get into Batman specifically with, you know, from, I'm sorry, from the angle of you know, a new character being introduced. This is a great place to pick it up. This is, so after you read this, I mean, that's it. It'll pick up probably, I'm going to assume, maybe somewhere in the later arcs of Batman uh, or, well, I can't even say where else I think it would pick up because that would be a bit of a spoiler. But, um, it, I mean, it's great. If you are looking for new characters, if you enjoyed uh, the Joker War, or if you're enjoying, you know, Batman 101 to 102, you're going to love this story. I, I, it's it's a great DC book, um, and it's beautifully written and drawn. Um, I really can't say enough about it. It's so great. Uh, the book was only – the book was $4.99. Uh, again, this is a, a one-shot for all intents and purposes – and it was 48 pages. It was it was a lot of comic. It's a great book. Yeah, it was an that's, oversized. That's almost twice the size of a typical mm -hmm. 22, 24 page uh, issue. Yeah. And we do have a question coming in, and it's about punchlines. So I want to make sure we get that before we move on. 
Cassidy, you want to yes. throw that to us? Yes. So 14 Wellington in the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group asked, um, is this an easy enough jumping on point to get to know the character of Punchline uh, just by picking up this number one? Uh, totally. Yeah, you can pick this up and completely um, understand her intentions and how she got to be the character Punchline. That cover actually tells so much. It's such a, a beautiful cover um, because of that reason. Um, you can pick this up and understand, like I said, her motivations and what sort of led her to her actions in Joker War um, without really having to know Joker War. But it is interesting to see the dichotomy of like where she was and where we saw her. We kind of saw it in, in, in like a memento fashion. We started at the end and then worked our way forward. But um, <laughs> yeah, 14, uh, you can totally just pick this up and get a really good grasp of who um, Punchline is as a character. Thanks, Cass. All right, so now we're going to move on to our last AIM title, and I'm actually taking us back a few weeks because this one slipped under the radar. It yes. came out the week that we did our Halloween special, but I do think it is worth a mention, so I wanted to bring up Giga Number 1 from Vault Comics. Now, you may have already heard of this. You might say, Amy, this is old news because this was a massive release from Vault Comics uh, right on the heels of their of their stellar launch of the Autumnal a couple weeks earlier, uh, but this is Giga. Uh, written by Alex Packnadel with art by John Lee, color, colors by Roche, and lettering by Aditya Bidikar. Uh, this is a true number one issue. Uh, as Vault it, uh, launches all are, they don't require you to have read anything else. Though I do recommend, if you're enjoying Vault's releases, check out their other ones. Um, but none of these worlds interplay with each other. Uh, now, because it is two weeks old on the shelf, it may or may not have been sold out at your local store. However, in terms of accessibility, you can still access it on comicsology.com. Mm -hmm. Now, issue number two and the second printing of number one will both be out on December 9th. So that's just a couple weeks away. So if you are sure that you want to commit to the series, you can pick up the second printing and number two on the same day, which I think is a great package as well to just kind of uh, really steep yourself in the story if you missed out on the first printing of uh, number one. The second printing is going to have uh, an alternate cover, and there's also going to be like a foil variant cover. Vault's been doing nice. uh, foil variants, which I accidentally picked one up for Vampire the Masquerade. Be advised, the foil variants are $10. So if you're wondering why, you're going to pay $10 for a comic. Uh, but they are very, very nice covers. Mm -hmm. Anyways, uh, I'm going to jump right into the interest. I mean, you guys can kind of see this the, the word Giga and the cover uh, that we are showing on screen, which is also my background, do imply that there's a certain... A uh, number of giant Rock'em Sock'em robot type characters in this story. Um, if you're a fan of Pacific Rim, Transformers, or even Alita Battle Angel on the, the smaller scale robot side, uh, I think you're going to find something to love here. This is a beautiful kind of sweeping story. Uh, the Giga are giant mechs that fought in a bitter war over Earth. And they're now in the story, their dormant husks have become everything to humanity. They are religions. They are habitats. They are... They're cities. They are cities are built around these creatures, and they are just kind of a way of life. Uh, the story follows Evan Calhoun, who is an engineer who came from kind of um, I want to say privilege, but you're not a hundred percent sure. I mean, he at least had a normal life uh, growing up, and he was studying the religion of the the Giga and the society. Uh, but he has fallen on hard times since then. Uh, 
due to an unexplained attack on one of these uh, Giga kind of fortresses that people were living in. Uh, and he, he is a scavenger. He comes across what seems to be a Giga who was murdered, uh, more specifically than just necessarily powered down. Uh, and he, he kind of uh, discovers a massive mystery that is going to, because uh, I say is with certainty, because that's where the driving chaos comes from. The, it, this mystery as it is uncovered is going to kind of flip the society upside down because it isn't really explained why these dormant robot husks now just kind of sit idly in the city and and it's there's beautiful sweeping shots of nature growing in and up and around these robots but also the cities that have built around them some of them are falling to decay but others are venerated as gods it's just a beautiful beautiful uh piece of work it is a fantastic debut it is well done and it does what a lot of stories don't do these days and it trusts the reader to figure out what's going on it trusts the reader with a lot of high concept um it's not necessarily cyberpunk, but it's like a it's like a technological fantasy almost. Um, there there are some cyberpunk elements, but I think cyberpunk these days has such a hard connotation to it. Right. It is a giant robot post apocalyptic fantasy. Um, yeah, and I just can't say enough about how much. I mean, even this cover you can see where it is one outstretched arm of a Giga, and you can see a uh, kind of a mysterious robot character there. I don't want to to um, tip that hand but the fact that there is a tree growing out of this uh giant robot hand just the the beautiful sweeping skylines there's a couple of panels that do pull out and you get to see just how humans have fashioned themselves around these giant robots uh it's it's a it's a thought-provoking debut it's it's Everything the vault is doing right now, honestly, turns to gold. I mean, they did finger guns. I am obsessed with the autumnal. I'm loving Vampire the Masquerade, even though that's a licensed comic, uh, as opposed to their traditional oeuvre of original. And you liked Heavy, uh, which yep. was that kind of purgatorial uh, punisher uh, mm -hmm. in the afterlife story. Everything the vault is doing right now is fabulous. And and Giga was one of their biggest debuts of the year. I don't remember the number, but they they broke records with with sales and pre-orders on this one. So it is definitely going to be a book you want to pre-order if you haven't yet added it to your poll to ensure that your store doesn't sell out because uh, Giga did sell out very quickly at the distribu distributor level, I think even before it hit the stands. So that is one of those, those reasons I'm going to take the time to plug Pre-order a book if you're excited. Check out previews. Check out the solicitations. Uh, it's it's great to go into your store and discover new finds on the day of New Comic Book Day, but you want to make sure that some of the best finds are going to be there waiting for you uh, mm -hmm. ahead of time. So it's it's really worth it to check those resources, check those websites and magazines that put up these books and information, uh, the, the solicitations early, so you can check those out. Um but yeah, like I said, this came out on October 28th and the second printing will be out on December 9th. So if you did miss it, if you're patient, pre-order the second printing now with your store. If you're not patient, check it out on Comixology. Um, yeah. yeah. So that it was a great week. A uh, lot of number ones. I like that some of the number <laughs> one of the number ones is just a one shot, uh, yeah. but but all varying sorts. Uh, and I wanted to make sure that Giga got its time on our show because we've been loving what Vault Comics yep. has been putting out. So up next is our segment where we talk to you guys uh, and you holler back at us. We ask you questions. This is our holler at the hall segment uh, where we, we ask a thought-provoking, soul-searching, or maybe just general question to you guys uh, because we love hearing your responses. General question. Uh, the, the screen was up, so they didn't see us do it, but you guys can rest assured. Yes. 
because that's the type of nerds we are. But we do ask this question in the Let Your Geek Side Show Facebook group. We also ask it on our show. So if you're not in the Geek Side Show Facebook group, which you should be, but if you're not, you can email us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com or shout out to us on social. We are at the Comics Hall on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Paul, do you want to tell us what, uh, tell them what we asked them this week? Yes. So, uh, Last week, or the question, the prompt for uh, that you had all answered previously was, who is the comic book writer that originally got you into comics or got you back into comics? Um, and we had a lot of great responses. Uh, also, so right up top, thank you all so much in the Let Your Geek Set Show Facebook group. Um, and eventually, I, I'm just dropping this the ball. I, I'm just dropping this on Amy now. We're going to start posting the question on our Instagram as well because we did get some really good um, engagement on our panel of the week there. So it only makes sense to that everyone should be able to reach us everywhere because that's what social media does for us these yes. days. We can have this uh, out to as many people as possible. So the question again um, is: Who is the comic book writer that originally got you into comics or got you back into comics? Yeah, maybe you were a lapsed reader and, and mm -hmm. needed a reason to come back. Uh, Matt Hess in Geek Sideshow said, that would be Todd McFarlane when the Spawn series came out. I was 100% on board. I absolutely love that series. I love the work he did with Spider-Man. And so when I knew he was coming out with his own comic and his own series, Spawn, I knew it was going to be illustrated beautifully. The setting would be intriguing and the writing would be intelligently done. Mm -hmm. And so we had Ben uh, DeYoung uh, say... Uh, Ed Brubaker really launched my love of X-Men with his work on Messiah Complex. What a great story, and that really set up some interesting books. Uh, Chris and Luan Robinson said, uh, oh, Chris and Luan Robinson, I think yeah. that might be a shared. Uh, yeah. Alan Moore stories ranging from Swamp Thing, Batman the Killing Joke, V for Vendetta, and The Watchmen. Yes, I knew we were going to get some. What we were, I, it was bound to happen. We we're going to get one Alan Moore in there. We yeah. have to have. I mean, he's I think, prolific. You guys can check the thread. We kind of got the 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 canon of of the big writers right now. I mean, I know we also had a mention of Gail Simone uh, yeah. and a bunch of other writers. Dan uh, Slot. Dan Slot was brought up. Um, yeah, a, t a ton of great writers. I do like how some of you, uh, more than one of you, had said these are some of the original writers but then you know now also some of the as they called them the young guns in yes. comics. so um we have also melly um uh Aravalo. she said and this was an interesting one which is why i had added it sorry my dogs are barking no no that's not what she said sorry but just my dogs are barking currently <laughs> right now uh melly Arevalo said the writer that first got me into comics was yoichi takahashi uh for the comics captain uh subasa uh, or in Spanish, Los Super uh, Campeones. Since I grew up in Mexico, it was all in Spanish, of course. Those are the first set of comics my dad bought me that got me into the comics. I watched the series religiously growing up and loved reading the comics as well. So uh, that that was a really interesting. I mean, I've never heard of that comic ever, um, but it's it just goes to show you how far reaching uh, the the media and the genre is. That I mean, it not only spawned you know the comic itself, but the show. So, Melly, thank you for sharing. That was I, th I thought that was really really interesting. And I think that's important to note because a lot of a lot of younger readers, uh, if they're not picking up the 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 floppy copies of DC and Marvel, it, manga is a huge gateway. And I mean, oh yeah, my my comics reading and manga kind of coincided. But I think for me, it would be uh, Clamp, which was an artist collective of of uh manga artists in japan uh who i mean if you don't know clamp like they they did all the kind of 
quintessential magical girl stuff but if we're talking like really got into hardcore comics uh it was a double team of matt fraction and kelly sue their their mm. works were kind of the first things that i latched on to as monthly uh comics and 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 if matt fraction's hawkeye hadn't happened when it did i don't know i don't know where yeah. i'd be today <laughs> uh it was just the perfect it was the perfect bite of comics for me and, and his writing style has like he's he's one of those writers who has earned my Anything he writes, I will put on my list. Right. Kind of distinction. Oh, yeah. He's fantastic. I would say for me, I mean, if you've been watching or ever heard me ramble, it's pretty obvious. I uh, started reading comics like seriously when Jeff Johns uh, released Green Lantern Rebirth. It was just a character that like none of my friends liked at all. So I was just like, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to learn everything I can about this character. Uh, and it just so happened that the story was incredible and it was it spanned I, I, Jeff Johns uh you know, time on that character span five years, but then I did fall out of comics for a little bit. Once you know, I did uh, started college and whatnot. So, and then Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo's Batman really kind of brought me back in, and then I was rehooked. And now we're here. So, if those two are, if those two stories didn't happen, uh, who again, who knows where me and Amy would be? So yeah, Matt Fraction and uh, Jeff Johns are <laughs> indirectly responsible. For whatever you're watching here, so either you're <laughs> welcome or we're sorry. <laughs> yes, please direct all mail that way to them <laughs> all right so we do have a new question for you guys this week uh take some time to think on this we'll post it up in the facebook group this friday uh but we want to hear from you what truly underrated comic series do you love and think everyone should read i swear if someone says saga we're not going <laughs> to read it on the air saga is not underrated no it is not it is one multiple eisners <laughs> think back and 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 you know it like maybe it is yeah try to pick something that hasn't necessarily been recognized for an Eisner uh, but we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna fact check you just pick something truly underrated the one that if you were given the opportunity to get up at a pedestal and tell everybody to read it but mm -hmm. and you could guarantee that none of them had said oh I've already read that that's whatever yeah pick the uh, truly underrated comic book series uh, that you love let everybody know uh maybe paul and i will find some new ones that we haven't read yeah i i there's I'm a lot of comics out there i am really excited because this is the best way to sort of like crowdsource like hey what should i read next <laughs> um so yes indeed uh, maybe we're making you guys do the work for us <laughs> we are that's literally what we're doing so thank you <laughs> <laughs> Also, for anyone who's like, hey, you guys covered the writers, we will ask you about the artists at a later date. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not this week, but we still always love to hear that. But for those of you who are like, well, what about the artists? Because they're just as important as the writers. Totally. Keep that in mind. We will ask you that question. But again, uh, on this note, if you have ideas for our questions of the week, if you have question, ideas for the panel of the week, uh, feel free to shout that at us. Um, we are at the Let Your Geek Sideshow Facebook group. That is kind of our mm -hmm. hub. But you can always reach us at thecomicshall at sideshow.com if you're yes. emailing us or, again, at thecomicshall on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yes. All right. We did I it. I think that covers it. That we was did a, it. That was a big week. It was big, a big week. Big, big, big week, week in the for, middle of the month. For news, anytime you get a bunch of number ones, the show, uh, it dare I say, thrives. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Now, we will be back to our normal time, 4 p.m. Pacific, next week for Wednesday, uh, November, I was going to say October, November 18th. Uh, so you guys can catch us there on all our regular channels. Uh, don't forget to tune in for the podcast uh, format on Thursdays. Uh, so that will, so our show podcast will go up on the 12th for today. Mm -hmm. Um, you guys can always catch us the day after new comic book day. So that means hopefully you have time to go pick up the books that we mentioned if yes. you are interested. Uh, and you can go to geeksideshow.com to see this and all of the, uh, 
visual assets that we referenced during the show if you were unable to watch the live video feed for any reason. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. As always, I'm Amy. And I'm Paul. And this has been The Comics Hall. Thanks for watching. Goodbye. This has been The Comics Hall with Amy and Paul, presented by Sideshow. Submit your response to our fan mail question of the week by emailing thecomicshall at sideshow.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Also, don't forget to vote on the panel of the week in the Let Your Geek Sideshow official Facebook group. You can watch us live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on Sideshow's official Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitch, and Periscope channels. And you can keep in touch with our show on social media at The Comics Hall on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, don't forget to let your geek side show. Let your geek side show.